I am absolutely shocked. 18 wrestlers, including Keith Lee, have been released from their WWE contracts this afternoon. I am absolutely shocked. I am beside myself. So that's definitely, you know, throw the whole script out the window. I was working on this podcast when that news hit me like a RKO out of nowhere. We're definitely going to have to get into that. Guys, I also got an update on the Ring of Honor Sinclair broadcasting drama. Um, There's an AEW wrestler who's been out of action due to injury. He's ready to make his return to the ring. Says he's just waiting on a phone call. Okay. Um, I've got your AEW Dynamite review and so much more on this stacked episode. Let's get it. This is... The Highlight Room. Lalo, THR here. I am absolutely dumbfounded by the release of Keith Lee. As I as I mentioned in that intro there, that was completely uh, out of left field for me. Because Keith Lee is one of those guys that had Megastar written on his forehead. I mean, real talk. I thought Keith Lee was the next big thing. Certainly in, in WWE, as he was signed uh, for many years, uh, he was performing on the NXT brand. Um, and I, you know, obviously I I never followed NXT extensively, uh, but I have seen Keith Lee do his thing. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. His, his showing at uh, Survivor Series um, last year. I, I believe it was last year, the one where he was like one of the, it was like WWE versus NXT and the final competitors was Roman Reigns and Keith Lee. And when Keith Lee had that face off with Roman Reigns, it gave me chills because I got goosebumps because I figured this is an image we're going to see again someday when Keith Lee is propelled to that next level. I mean, he could have been the guy to put down the head of the table. I mean, if if they were to at least try and push him correctly and not, not be giving him stupid names like Bearcat, you know what I mean? And where, where, where are all those apologists at now? All those WWE apologists who were like, well, Bearcat was a tribute to another wrestler and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a good name when you think of it like that. And come on, man. Oh, Keith Lee chose the name. Yeah, he chose it out of several names that WWE probably gave him. You know, so where are y'all at now? You know, he just gets released today. So clearly that name did not help him out (laughs) in the long run. WWE comes to terms on the release of several talents. As I said, um, let's run down the list of releases. These are the total releases thus far as follows. Um, This is Karrion Cross. Scarlett Bordeaux, B-Fab, Brianna Brandy, Gran Metalik, Lince Dorado, Eva Marie, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, wife of Keith Lee, I believe, Nia Jax, Harry Smith, uh, Oni Lorcan, Frankie Monet, aka Taya Valkyrie, 
<laughs> she's gonna make a return as Taya Valkyrie. Uh, Ember Moon, aka Wrestling Goddess Athena. Trey Baxter, Jesse Camia or Camilla, Jeet Rama, Zeta Ramir, and Katrina Cortez. And oh my God, that that guts me right there because Katrina Cortez, she is she's a little baddie, man. Um, you know, hopefully she she loses the mask and comes back on the Indies as Carolina or something, a Catalina, whatever. She's uh she's she's not a bad worker either. You know, man. Um. When I initially saw this news, I, I text a buddy of mine. I'm like, oh, God. I, I could already see Tony Khan, like, snorting a line of cocaine, bro. <laughs> With his checkbook in his hand. You know what I'm saying? Like a kid in a candy store just ready to swoop in and, and hire all these cats. AEW can't hire everybody, man. But, you know, I've said that already for a while. Since Black Wednesday last year. When WWE released so many people i believe this many right here 18 as well last year or close to it and you know they're not listening man aw <laughs> is hiring everybody so uh you know i don't want to speculate where they can i'm gonna say this carrying cross he can go back to impact that's where he was, right? To begin with, he was an impact. He's always going to have a comb there. Scarlett Bordeaux could join him. They're, they're fiancés, right? They're engaged. Scarlett and Karrion. That's going to be a, a wonderful act on the indies. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, they're not going to have trouble finding work. I could guarantee that. Um, you know, because I don't know what they did. Putting that mask on Karrion Cross, Making him look like... Dressing up like Master Shredder, but like in a Halloween costume that he bought from, you know what I'm saying, uh, Party City or the dollar store. Um, I don't know what they were thinking doing that to Karrion Cross. You know, we always throw that phrase around. If it ain't if it ain't broke, why fix it? Um, or don't fix it, rather. And that saying right there was the most appropriate with Karrion Cross. He was doing just fine without the mask, without the the uh, the Spartan 300, <laughs> whatever the hell they're going for, a Roman gladiator. I don't know, man. They really fucked up uh, Karrion Cross, you know. And I I thought the name was cool. Karrion Cross was a cool name and everything. Um, and you know he did his thing for a while in NXT in the beginning with Scarlet Bordeaux. They had like a spectacular entrance. And then they inexplicably separated them. And it, it kind of left Karrion dead in the water. Because then they bring him up to the to the main roster. And they put him in that <laughs> that that low budget uh, Master Shredder slash, you know, the Gladiator. You know what I mean? Costume. B-Fab, Brianna Brandy. I don't know much about this chick. But it, this is, well, I don't want to say funny. But it's just kind of ironic to me because bfab she got promoted right to the main roster along with the hit uh hit row <laughs> i was gonna say the hit squad i don't i don't watch wwe bro uh hit row whatever they're called and i remember there was a big buzz about them getting promoted like a lot of the pundits were like oh they're not ready for this and you know santos escobar and his crew deserve to to get promoted more than them and blah 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 and here we are <laughs> <laughs> she gets released so evidently they the pundits were right you know um these are budget cuts by the way 
there was no reason specified for these releases. All we can assume right now is that these are merely budget cuts and perhaps some of these could return to WWE at some point in time. Although, for some of them, specifically Karrion Cross, man, <laughs> I don't see why he would ever go back to WWE again. They really fucked him up. And, and I, you know, I'm one of those people that try to... I, I'm going to continue running down the list here, but I, I just, I, I got to go off on a tangent here. I'm one of those people who like to give the WWE the benefit of the doubt. I kind of play devil's advocate. But when I say they fucked up Karrion Cross, it, it's not even like, it's not even subjective. It's like, it's not even my opinion. It's a fact. How can you, how can you look at Karrion Cross in that getup, in that mask, and see his entrance and how you could hear the crickets out there in every arena they went to and how can you see that and not and not see how that is a fuck up like i don't care how loyal you are to the WWE brand like they really really fucked up somebody who had the potential to be special just like Keith Lee and Keith Lee's another story we're going to get to him in a minute but uh, Gran Metalik, he's been asking for his release, okay? Just just weeks ago, I reported it on this very pod. Uh, Gran Metalik has been asking for his release. In fact, he did tweet, "Gracias, thank you," and he, you know, he's ready to return to Mexico. Perhaps I would love to see Gran Metalik uh, do some things with Ray Phoenix. I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, and now I'm, this isn't to say that I want AEW to sign Gran Metalik, but hey, listen, with the Forbidden Door, y'all, anything could happen. I mean, why not? Did we just seen Samurai del Sol, aka Calisto, which I'm gonna get into in the Dynamite review. He had a match, so I wouldn't mind seeing Gran Metalik do some business with any one of Pentagon or Ray Phoenix, but Ray Phoenix most especially. Um, Gran Metalik, he has those, those abilities to run across the ropes, bro, and do all these amazing things. And people sleep on him, you know, because WWE didn't allow him really to showcase what he can do. But uh, he's he's a very, very good performer. Lince Dorado. Now, Lince is one of the Lucha House Party members that I did not know too much about. I know, I think he's like Chilean or something like that. I think he's from South America. Um, so, you know, he's he could be good representation for South America. I, I could totally see him being uh, like a hot commodity on the indies or for any like mid-level promotion because he brings something different to the table. They should really play off of that instead of just booking him as your traditional luchador. You know, um, they kind of, that's what I don't like with the luchador label. Um, like some people try to call Eddie Guerrero a luchador just because he's he's Mexican and wrestles. Like that's not cool because when all these luchadors, they just get categorized. They get put into a box and then it just becomes generic. It becomes like vanilla. It becomes plain. Uh, but, you know, cats like Lince Dorado, he's got a character about him. His mask is cool. His, his entrance attire was always cool. I could see him uh, doing big things in uh, Impact. I could see him going to Impact. I could see him doing things in Japan or in Mexico, which is a likely destination, I suppose. Eva Marie. <laughs> Eva Marie 
hey listen man i i don't i don't ever wish for anybody to lose their jobs nor do i i'm not gonna be a nerd here and celebrate somebody losing their job but eva marie let's let's be honest let's be honest for a second she had no business being inside of a wrestling ring um you know what i mean call this a fake sport if you want to it's a work whatever but you know she didn't she didn't know what she was doing in there you know and that could cause big problems you could get seriously hurt um you can i don't know but she had no business being in a wrestling ring she had no idea what to do she didn't know what she was doing she's a beautiful woman this isn't gonna hurt her she's gonna go back to modeling she's gonna probably uh it be an ambassador for some uh makeup brand or some you know what i'm saying there's a lot of things she can do man this is this is not gonna hurt eva marie um she had no business inside of a wrestling ring inside of the squared circle <clears throat> mia yim the wife of keith lee i'm saving keith lee for last year but mia yim i don't know much about her uh, i haven't uh really seen her work much uh i i i know i've seen her before but not much not enough i don't even know what her finisher is you know what i'm saying a, a very vague um but uh from what i hear she's talented certainly i i i surmise to believe that wherever keith lee goes she's gonna wind up she seems like that ride or die type where she ain't gonna allow any company to separate her and keith lee you feel me? I feel like she's just gonna roll with Keith Lee wherever he, wherever, wherever God takes them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Nia Jax. <sighs> wow, wow. You know, once again, I'm gonna repeat my little, my little spiel uh, that I that I gave for Eva Marie. I don't, I don't wish for nobody to lose their jobs, not even my worst enemies, especially in these uncertain times. But this was long overdue. This was a long time coming. Nia Jax, I don't know how she survived on the roster for as long as she has because this is another woman that just cannot work. In fact, she's a liability. Like, she's nearly paralyzed some people. I mean, uh, Io Shirai comes to mind, uh, Kairi Sane, you know, all those, Asuka, all those chicks. Like, she's, she's a liability. Um, she broke Little Red Riding Hood's nose, Becky Lynch, and turned her into a megastar. <laughs> Thanks. You know? Um, yeah, man. Nia Jax, this was a long time coming. I'm sorry to say. I mean, listen, she's she's The Rock's cousin, right? Come on, man. The Rock, with how rich he is, come on. And all of his companies and all of his endeavors. I'm sure he could get her a job somewhere. She's got the connect. I mean... This is another release that I don't think hurts Nia Jax. You know what I mean? She's she's going to be fine. Harry Smith. Uh, Harry Smith had a run with WWE back in the day. And then they just inexplicably released him. And I don't know why you'd release him. Because he's a very, very good worker. Um, perhaps not to the level of of his father. Not to the level of the British Bulldog. But he's he's a good worker in his own merit. Um, and I, they just hired him back, I believe not too long ago. 
from what I from what I can recall, and he just gets released just like that. So, but you know, with that said, Harry Smith is another one of those talents that I don't think is gonna have trouble finding work anywhere. He can go to MLW. I could see him doing big things in NWA. You know, they should totally try to get him because he kind of fits their mold. Like he's an old school guy. He's he's a, a what third generation, second, third generation. He's a generational talent. You know, his his family has all been involved in pro wrestling. So yeah, he 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 should totally um go to nwa or impact i could see him do business as well only lorkin i don't know anything about this guy so i'm just gonna move on frankie monet formerly known as or <laughs> let's just say aka taya valkyrie she made a name for herself in impact and on the indies as taya um and i i surmise to believe she's gonna return as taya valkyrie Perhaps on um, AEW we could see her. I mean, listen, man. I, I've been saying for a long time now that AEW sh shouldn't be trying to sign everybody. And I stand by that. They, they ain't listening, <laughs> clearly, because they're signing. They're gobbling everybody up like, like Pac-Man gobbling up pallets. Um, this is what WWE was doing, hoarding talent. And now look what happened. The bubble burst. And now they're releasing everybody. That's what happens. You know what I'm saying? They hoard all these talents and they don't know what to do with them. And it's just cutting into their budget. And now they drop the hammer here. Drop the axe. Taya Valkyrie is the wife of John Morrison, I believe. So that's that's kind of ironic. You know, I wonder, you got to wonder what, uh, what Johnny is thinking over there. Um, on the Raw brand, I believe he's on. So Ember Moon. Ember Moon. Ember Moon had a good career on the indies. I know that she came from... Well, she wrestled around in Texas, I believe. That's like her territory, right? That's where she's from. I think she has ties with... With reality of wrestling. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, but Ember Moon, wrestling goddess Athena. I believe this is like the second time now that she gets released by WWE as well. She's another one of those talents that they let go then brought back then or you know what no i might be confusing that i think she retired at one point because she like got injured and then retired but then made a comeback something like that i'm really not i'm not sure i'm kind of confused but ember moon is very talented um again you know just like with taya valkyrie aew really should try to bolster their women's roster the the women the performers that they have in that roster are not up to par women like ember moon and taya valkyrie could definitely contribute to somebody's women's roster perhaps not aew i mean i could see ember going to impact i could see her going to mlw or nwa but i i've got a feeling that ember moon is not too far from just hanging them up because she did it once before if i'm not mistaken um and I just, I remember hearing her on, I think it was the Hall of Fame podcast with Booker T and Brad Gilmore, where she talked about how she doesn't want to wrestle for too, too long because, you know, her body, she's trying to keep up her body and everything, which is understandable. So only time will tell with uh, Ember Moon. Trey Baxter, I don't know who this guy is. Jesse Camilla, I don't know who that is. Jeet Rama, I don't know who that is. 
Zeta Ramir, I don't know who that is. Katrina Cortez, I know who she is. She's a wonderful athlete, a good performer, a very, very lovely woman. Um, and I would totally be down to see her in AEW. But again, they can't sign everybody. But, you know, she's actually one of the talents out of all of these that I wish like the best for because she's like not a big name you know she's not a big name she's kind of unknown so like for her the future really is kind of uncertain you know so like out of all of these really i i really wish her uh you know god bless let's just say i wish her well keith lee man out of everybody here i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna just say it Keith Lee is the only person, really, out of all of these names that AEW should try to sign. Um, you know, I again, I I know I, I've been saying it, that AEW has to chill with all these signings. But, man, is Keith freaking Lee, man. Just look at that guy. He has a license to print money. He has a megastar. He has megastar written all over his face. Um... You know, with that said, hey, if 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 he shouldn't go to AEW, I could see him tear it up in Impact, right? Impact Wrestling, they seem to be that kind of promotion that that likes those big big guy types, you know, big brawlers and stuff. Um, I don't know, MLW. Imagine Keith Lee versus uh, Hammerstone or or Jacob Fatu. You know what I mean? I could see him. Keith Lee is not gonna have trouble finding work. Bottom line, but. Out of all of these names, I would say Keith Lee is the one talent I would try to sign to a contract if I was Tony Khan. But that's that. There you have it, man. That's the list. 18 talents released, and that just caught me way off. I I never. I mean, at, well, Keith Lee is the major shocker here. Everyone else was not shocking at all. You know, um, it was like I said for some of them, it was a long time coming. In fact, but. Wow, man, Keith Lee. That's bananas. Let's get into the Dynamite review. Dynamite popped off from St. Louis, Missouri. Kenny Omega opens the show in a matchup against Allen Angels, proving that he's in the same vein as a Brian Danielson and that he can have a good match with just about anyone. And it was a nice showing for Angels, who would be defeated soundly with two V-triggers from Omega, putting him down for the three-count. In the post-match, Kenny would claim Angels embarrassed him previously. He instructs Michael Nakazawa to grab a steel chair so he could beat the brakes out of Angels. That was until Cowboy shit himself. Hangman Adam Page hit the stage. He attempted a buckshot lariat on Omega. Of course, Omega would escape unscathed because you gotta pay for the pay-per-view <laughs> if you want to see Omega eat a buckshot lariat. Adam Page would grab a mic and say, 10 more days. You will only have the AEW Championship title for 10 more days. It's a lock, brother. Adam Page is going to be the brand new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And I actually think I'm going to go uh, see this pay-per-view in theaters, man. I mean, I, I said fuck it. I think I'm going to make it a tradition now where I'm going to just go watch AEW pay-per-views in the theaters from now on. It's, it's like $10 cheaper than spending $50 for it to watch it at home, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Adam Page versus Kenny Omega should be a barn burner at full gear. I cannot wait. Um, Adam Page's whole storyline, if you really follow it, if you've been following it, I should say, 
it's really gonna pull at the heartstrings because it's been a long journey, two years in the making. Malachi Black cuts a backstage promo. He calls out Tony Khan for barring him from ringside uh, for the Andrade El Idolo and Cody Rhodes matchup later on in the night. Um, yeah, so again, this is one of those things where I see a lot of people uh, kind of ragging on Cody Rhodes, saying that, you know, he, he doesn't really put people over. You know, he puts some people over, but then others like Malachi Black, he only does it halfway or half-assed because he had to win the final bout, right? Uh, but I think that Cody beating Malachi Black in their third bout was... It, it has storyline implications that are still evolving. You gotta wait. You gotta be patient. This is leading to something. We're all expecting the Cody Rhodes heel turn. And it does seem very apparent that it's gonna happen. And it's gonna happen via Malachi Black some way, somehow. And that's why it's, it appears that he's continuing to feud with Malachi Black. Even though he's, he's wrestling Andrade and he's also feuding with Andrade. I really, you know, I dig this whole partnership, by the way. This whole alliance between Andrade and FTR, Tully, and seeing him also with Malachi. It's, it's different. You know, it's kind of thrown together, but it works. It, it's going to be interesting to see... Uh, what comes about between Malachi Black and Cody because clearly they're not finished. So all you guys out there talking about, oh, Cody had to go over Malachi Black and bury him or whatever your sentiment is, just wait on it. <laughs> just wait on it. There's there's some storyline implications here. Seeds being planted. There's more to come. Be patient. A guy losing one match is not going to hurt him. Especially when he's already won two previous matches. Look, Chris Jericho beat MJF at, at uh, All Out. And nobody remembers. You know what I mean? Everybody expected MJF to get the big rub and retire Jericho at, at All Out. It didn't happen. Jericho beat MJF. And nobody remembers. CM Punk cuts an in-ring promo and in a classy move really pays his respects to uh, John Moxley. Um, and, and that was actually the, the news story I was going to open the show with. But of course, we had that breaking news with all of those cuts that I really had to uh, address right away. Um, I'm still going to talk about John Moxley a little bit later. I have an update on that. But uh, CM Punk, he says, quote unquote, I don't want anybody to criticize John Moxley because I'm goddamn proud of him. Punk would encourage the crowd to chant Moxley's name, which they did, and it was a very nice touch. Punk also continued to build towards a matchup between Eddie Kingston, which seems like a matchup inevitable for full gear. Uh, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk will have a face-off this Friday, a face-to-face, -face, rather, this Friday on Rampage, where I'm sure they definitely won't come to blows because, hey, this is pro wrestling. We don't have time for cliched tropes, right? Nah, man, uh, you know, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston, that's a matchup I can get behind. You know, CM Punk's grand return to professional wrestling popped off 
uh, at the very second episode of Rampage in what was historic, what was eventful, what was amazing. I must have watched him hit the stage over 200 times. And it still puts a smile on my face all these months later. Um, all the I, I say all these months later. What's it barely? It's been like three months now, right, or something. But I feel like CM Punk has been a fixture in AEW for years now. Um, here's the thing: as much as I love Punk's return, and I do, and everything he's been doing, I think it's time for him to step up his level of competition now and start to get into some nitty gritty storylines and storytelling and angles and interesting narratives. You know, seeing him against Bobby Fish and and, and uh, Matt Seidel and, and Powerhouse Hobbs. And, and they were all good matches, sure. But they don't lead to nothing. We need to see Punk do something substantial now. And I think him facing Eddie Kingston at full gear can be the genesis of a whole new interesting story here to build toward with CM Punk at the helm. Uh, one could hope. One could hope, certainly. You know, just to get back to John Moxley really quickly. Um, before he went away, he's he's in a rehab right now, in an inpatient rehab for uh, alcoholism. Um, but before he went away, he was seemingly on the verge of a heel turn. And, and Eddie Kingston himself currently appears to be going heel. And, you know, you've seen the way Eddie Kingston walked up on CM Punk and got in his face and started trash talking. So it seems inevitable that a heel turn was in the cards for both Moxley and Kingston, which, by the way, I totally dig that, by the way. But, you know, I just want to say quickly, you know, I'm going to get back to Punk and, and Kingston. But as for John Moxley, there is no way he's going to be a heel now. Because whenever he makes his return to AEW, not a single soul is going to boo that man. Because what he did takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of pride. It takes a, well, it takes a lot of pride to swallow. You know, when you actually, you as a man, especially a man who just had a child, to actually publicly admit that you need help, you need counseling, you need rehabilitation. That takes huevos. That takes cojones. You know what I'm saying? So, ain't nobody in the world going to boo John Moxley whenever he comes back. So, that's going to make things all the more interesting. Because it does appear that Eddie Kingston is going heel. Certainly, he's the baddie here against CM Punk. Because I don't think anybody's ready to boo Punk quite yet. Um, but it's getting there. I'm telling you, man. I don't want to see Punk in these nobody matches anymore with the Seidel's and Bobby Fishes of the world. I want to see Punk tear it up. With the Eddie Kingston's of the world. And start getting involved into intriguing storylines. You know, I was about to move on from this uh, conversation about Punk and Kingston. But really quickly, I do want to touch on Eddie Kingston has a wild losing streak right now. I'm going to tell you, I don't remember the last time Eddie Kingston won a match if anybody wants to let me know, fill me in, uh, you could reach me on Instagram or on Twitter, Lalo underscore THR, Lalo underscore THR, on the gram and the Twitter. When's the last time Eddie Kingston won a match? That's what I want to know, because I don't remember. 
and Eddie Kingston, uh, he deserves a little better. You know, he, he does seem to be the guy that's going to always fight to progress into the title picture. But he's never going to... Like, he's going to have his hands grasped on the title, but he's going to never quite pull it down. You know, and I hope that's... I, I hope he does win a title at some point, man. It would make me so happy to see Eddie Kingston win the TNT strap at least at the very least you know give him a TNT title run man you know Eddie Kingston has put in a lot of work in this business and you know he's he's a real genuine guy like when you hear him talk I heard him on the busted open radio show last week you know and talking about his demons that he's done a lot of dirt in his past you know um, and Mark Henry even got kind of emotional listening to Eddie's story, and and then and Mark even tr gave him like a little pep talk, and you know I digress. Eddie Kingston just feels genuine. He doesn't feel artificial. His quote unquote character on TV doesn't feel like a character. It feels very real. So I just wanted to touch on that, man. Eddie Kingston's been, you know, he's been taking them L's lately, and I really hope he bounces back. Uh, hell, if he were to beat Punk at full gear, bro, I wouldn't be mad. I'm going to tell you right now, I would not be mad. And I'm one of the biggest CM Punk marks in the world. You know, guys like Punk and guys like Brian, they're made men. You know, them losing any matches is not going to hurt them. It's not. And I'm going to touch on that specific take more when we get into the main event. Alex Marvez is backstage interviewing the Super Click. Adam Cole talks about last week's match against the Dark Order being a fluke. Cole is interrupted right away by Christian Cage and Luchasaurus joins him. The Young Bucks and Cole start attacking Cage and Luchasaurus. The action goes to the entrance rap and Jungle Boy jumps in and helps. Cage fights off, fight off the Super Click. Christian, sends, Christian ends things when he hits Cole with a concerto on the stage. Shades of his kayfabe brother Edge during his Rated R Superstar run back in the day doing the concerto. You know, AEW is like really happy with all these backstage brawls and brawls into the crowd and run-ins. And you know, I, I, you know, I like AEW and the way they do things, but they got to chill out a little bit. Like, you know, it's like I said in the last episode, I'm a big proponent of less is more. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm that I don't know if that was the last episode or not, but I I've said that before. I'm I'm a big proponent of less is more sometimes. You know, um and I feel like AEW they kind of go a little overboard with stuff like this, you know. I mean, this was cool. I'm not, I'm actually not even criticizing this angle here, this segment. This was cool. Uh, especially, I mean, Christian Cage was looking fly, man, in his little suit he had on and, and doing the concerto on the stage. That was cool. But I, I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things in general, like AEW needs to chill with all these freaking backstage bras and bras in the crowd. And you know what I mean? Like it gets a little overkill and they need to chill out with that. And um, I mean, I don't I don't. I'm not really interested uh, in in any of these guys besides the super click, but I, I like with the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage, they still kind of feel like one of those thrown together tandems uh, to me. So it's hard for me to really 
be excited about this, about this little rivalry. I suppose this is leading to a match at full gear. Um, I feel like we've seen that already. The super click against uh, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage. I feel like we've seen that already. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe Dark Order is implicated into this or something. I don't know. Nonetheless, Miro cuts a backstage promo about how God rewards him by having him be a part of the Eliminator Tournament. Now, this is one dude I care about, and he's going to kill it in the main event. We're going to get to it later. The AAA titles get defended as FTR, a.k.a. Las Supra Ranas, defend against open challenger Samurai del Sol, formerly known as Kalisto and Idol Star. Uh, has Kalisto and Idol Star ever tagged before? Because this seems like a really random pairing. And I like both of these cats, don't get me wrong, especially Kalisto. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. He actually, uh, Galisto had some very interesting Twitter uh, activity, let's let's say. And not really Galisto, just that he had posted, uh, like, a, he was trying to pay respect to Brody Lee. Um, and he, he said, you know, I, I prayed to John. He spelled it John with J-O-H-N uh, and, 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 you know, said, you're forever in my heart, hermano. And then Chris Jericho would quote the tweet and say you spelled his name wrong uh <laughs> and then Calisto replied back saying oh i i got too excited bro i was in my emotions uh but amanda amanda huber the the wife of late john huber uh Brody lee she started to say a bunch of stuff she was like well um you know, there's no excuse. If you're going to name drop somebody, at least spell the name correctly. Something along those lines. That's not an ex that's not uh, that's a rough quote. I didn't I wasn't planning on talking about this. But since, you know, it's Calisto, I thought I'd bring it up because he's that's in the news. Um, I thought that was very off putting on Amanda Huber. I'm just going to say it. And, I, and no, I'm not crucifying her. I'm not there. There's a lot of apologists in, in on Twitter like, oh, well. You know, this is a widow. This this is a, a widow. How can you call her out? Ain't nobody calling her out. Like she publicly embarrassed some dude uh, that was trying to pay respects to her late husband. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to publicly call somebody out that was way unnecessary, I, I mean, it, widow or not, you're, you're going to, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. So I, I replied to that as well. I'm like, is it that you feel it's disingenuous or what? Because you're, you're saying he's name dropping. First of all, that's disrespect right there. To say, oh, if you're going to name drop somebody. Like, bro, he's paying respect. You know what I mean? Like, he, he knew Brody Lee as well. He knew John Huber as well. You're his wife, but he knew him too. And he meant no harm by misspelling his name. It's a typo, people. You know, a lot of phones, they come with autocorrect and most people don't turn it off. I do because it annoys the fuck out of me. But <clears throat> yeah, a lot of people don't turn off autocorrect. So I believe it was a typo on Calisto's part. But that was very, very petty on the part of, of Jericho and most especially Amanda Huber to continue. Because she sent several tweets like, you know, I, again, I didn't quote them. I didn't write them down because I wasn't planning really on, on going in depth about it. But you know, Jericho, yeah, he was like, oh, you, you spelled his name wrong. And I'm sure he probably DM'd Calisto because they know each other as well. I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. And, uh, you know, 
I, I wouldn't it, hey, it wouldn't surprise me if Jericho has Kalisto on Talk is Jericho. You know what I'm saying? Like in the coming weeks and they're probably going to have a laugh about this. But like Amanda Huber though, she really tripped me out with her tweets. Especially when you consider, and another Twitter user uh, brought this up, which really made me think like, wow, you know what? You're right. That, that shit don't make no sense. Because Miro tweeted uh, last year, right? During the big tribute to... Uh, John Huber, a.k.a. Brody Lee. Now, Brody, spelled B-R-O-D-I-E, that's the name of their son, Brody Jr., right? Uh, Miro would, would tweet a, a big paying his respects, and he spelled it Brody uh, a few times. Brody with B-R-O-D-Y instead of I-E. Both spellings are correct, right? Just like John with an H and John without an H. Both spellings are correct. But... Amanda Hubert did not have that same energy when Miro spelled Brody with a Y instead of the IE. So again, it's it's just it's just weird, bro. And that's a uh, you know that's just a uh, uh, something going on on Twitter there. I wasn't planning to <laughs> get this too much into it, but that did that did disturb me a little bit, at least on the part of Amanda. So this was a decent match. Uh, speaking of <laughs> FTR defending the AAA titles um, against Kalisto and Idol Star, Idol Star seemed to struggle to keep up. I put this in my notes. He really seemed like he doesn't have the physical fitness for the style, uh, you know, for the high flying, fast paced lucha style that demands somebody with with you know really good physical fitness because it seemed like. I mean, from my vantage point, it looked like FTR had to really wait for him in several different spots. And I'm not just talking about the off the top rope tropes, you know, where they're just standing there waiting, you know, for the guy to jump off the ropes. I'm not even just talking about that. Different spots, excuse me, different spots throughout the match. I noticed it seemed like FTR would be on their feet and wait for for uh, Idol Star, you know, to get in his shit. And he was like lagging it. Um, he definitely needs to get in shape or something. I don't know. That just caught me off guard there because most luchadors they're they're in fantastic shape because you gotta be for that style of wrestling. So it was a decent match, man. I'm just happy that Kalisto got got a showing on AEW. That made me very very happy. Uh, Nyla Rose flanked by Vicky Guerrero interrupt Hikaru Shida's interview time backstage essentially building to their quarterfinals eliminator in the TBS championship tournament <clears throat> yeah I, I, I kind of don't care about this <laughs> I'm sorry not the TBS title tournament as a whole but um, Nyla Rose versus Hikaru Shida isn't a match that I'm gonna you know go buy a six pack and invite friends over to watch you know the inner circle hit the ring to pick their America's top team opponents for full gear. The match will apparently be a 10-man tag or 5-on-5. Five five. The men of the year plus three members of America's top team versus Chris Jericho, Jake Hamer, Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santana and Ortiz. Jake Hager would also get on the mic. Uh, he would be the first one from inner circle to get on the mic. And choose Junior Dos Santos. He also said that he looks like Popeye. <laughs> Popeye the Sailor Man, which is 
funny because it's it's low-key true now that i think about it junior dos santos does kind of look like popeye bro <laughs> i can just see him with like a a can of spinach now you know and like a pipe in his mouth he should totally uh, if, you know next halloween he should he should totally rock that um yeah jake hager's delivery was not very good on that joke but it, it was it was it was funny santana gets on the mic and calls out arlovsky dan lambert would cut them off before they can select their third opponent uh he proclaims that Paige van zandt's husband wants a piece of them for ripping into her Paige would grab the mic and say she wants in because she doesn't need a man to fight for her okay she says she can take on all five of them by herself, to which Jericho responds, You want to take on all five of us by yourself? <laughs> which, and the best part of it, though, is he says, Maybe you could put it on your OnlyFans page. That was the ultimate mic drop moment of this whole promo here, of this whole exchange. It popped me really hard. Ortiz would then say, Hablas con tu madre con esa boca, which translates to, Do you talk to your mom with that mouth? Um, Paige would say, um, What did he say? What did he say? To which Sammy would get on the mic and he uttered, He said, You're a bitch. <laughs> so, long story short, Jericho chooses Dan Lambert as the third guy to represent America's top team. So, it's official. At full gear, it'll be the Inner Circle versus Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and the three members of ATT consisting of Junior Dos Santos, Arlovsky, and Dan Lambert. <clears throat> I don't expect Dan Lambert to take a bump. Um, maybe at the end of the match, like as a way to close out their segment, but I don't expect him to have much... Uh, action let's just say in the ring it is gonna be interesting to see junior dos santos in there again because it'll be his first appearance on a wrestling pay-per-view um in a match and judging by his energy during his match on rampage i mean this guy was he is adorably green and you know i would love to see him make more appearances not necessarily become a full-time wrestler but i i just like to see a guy enjoying what he's doing uh, but beyond that it's a match that eh, I'm, I'm not really you know running to the bar for it's not a match that i'm excited um but it is what it is matt seidel dante martin leo rush and lee moriarty are backstage uh seidel congratulated dante martin on his victory last week seidel challenges martin and leo to a tag match with Seidel teaming with Lee Moriarty and it is set. I'm not sure if this tag match here is going to happen on Rampage or next week's Dynamite. They probably clarified, but I probably wasn't listening. <laughs> but uh, this Lee Moriarty kid, I'm going to tell you right now, he's a very good wrestler. Um, and it's exciting to see, uh, let's just say, more uh, diverse more diversity in AEW, let's just say. You know what I mean? So, Jamie Hayter defeats Anna Jay and advances to the quarterfinals in the TBS title tournament. She will take on Thunder Rosa to determine who advances to the semifinals. The full updated TBS title brackets are as follows. Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander will face the winner of Hikaru Shida 
and Nyla Rose, while the winner of Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter will face the winner of Jade Cargill, depending on who advances tomorrow night between Red Velvet and the Bunny. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, I really am pulling for Jamie Hayter at this point, if I'm being honest. I don't think Jade Cargill is ready to hold any kind of title. I don't care if it's the TBS title, TNT, or digital media title. I don't care. She ain't ready for any kind of title. Uh, as for Red Velvet, she's a cutie. I, I, would, I would rather her win a title bout over Jade Cargill. The Bunny, I don't want to see her near any championships. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Ruby Soho, man. Ruby Soho. I believe, yeah, she's going to face Chris Statlander. Um, to determine uh, who faces the winner of Shida, Nyla Rose. Hikaru Shida is definitely someone that is popular in AEW. A lot of there's a lot of fans of Hikaru Shida, probably more so than Ruby Soho. Actually, like th there's people that are really high on on Hikaru Shida, but I mean that's a niche market, you know the Joshi stuff. Um, they kind of earlier on in AEW they kind of tried to you know popularize the joshi stuff and it kind of didn't really work not not with riho she never really became that big uh big star that Britt baker would be would turn out to be so yeah jamie hater man that's it that's who i'm pulling for in this tournament at this point yes even more me even over thunder rosa and that's only because thunder rosa should be in the AEW Women's Championship division, not the TBS division, okay? Uh, let's get that straight. So MJF comes out and cuts a promo about how he and Darby Allen are the pillars of AEW. MJF wonders why they cheer for Darby and boo him. MJF talks about how great he is and about how Allen is an outcast, an insul who can barely string together three words. <laughs> Allen says that he and MJF will meet at full gear. Darby is in the crowd looking like he's about to fall asleep. <laughs> Darby eventually gets hold of a mic. Now, I'm not sure where he got it from because he was seated in the crowd with the fans. Like, just imagine like average John Doe over there. Like, oh, here you go. <laughs> Having him a microphone. Like, yeah, I, I work at uh, Radio Shack. <laughs> Those don't even exist anymore. Okay. Oh, man. Um. <clears throat> so Darby Allen, he says he's going to let some anger loose tonight and he starts making his way down to the barricade mjf says oh you want to go you want to go well too bad and he walks away mjf retreats but when he gets up the ramp sting comes out with a bunch of weirdos and masks they never explained this i think the commentator i think tony Schiavone was just like oh he came out with a little army behind him or, or uh, that was probably excalibur actually they never explained what the hell this was about it was is this, are these the creepers? Is he right? Did Sting recruit the creepers? I don't know, but they were they they were creeps. <laughs> Either way, but they come out, um, and then like this this segment was kind of bad right here. They saved it in the end, which I'm gonna get to, but it it was really bad because it was confusing. Like because the camera angle cuts to like the back of the ring instead of staying focused there on the ramp. See, this is a problem. AEW they be having too much shit going on, you know. And again, less is more. I'm a big proponent of that. Less is more. But this segment was definitely not less is more. This segment was we need more, more, more. Anyway, 
while the camera angle is like fixated by the ring post, you hear like the sound of a chair slamming up the ramp. I had no idea what the hell was going on until one of the commentators said, oh, it's Sean Spears and he, you know, he's, he's wielding a steel chair. And so, of course, Wardlow, Sean Spears would come out to MJF's aid. They would be subdued by the dudes in the masks, the weirdos in the masks. Of course, MJF would be distracted and get pulled into a brawl with Darby Allen in the crowd. They would brawl out. Uh, Darby would reverse an Irish whip into the barricade, slamming MJF into it. And then Dar uh, Darby would walk. He would walk and get like a big head of steam, man, like a long uh, running start. And he delivers an insane clothesline with the speed and quickness that he did. Flipping MJF and himself over the barricade. This is what saved this segment. Because up to this point, I was like, what are they doing? This is awful right here. Like, these mask guys really turned me off, dude. These these weirdos and masks coming out behind Sting. It just gave me Dark Order vibes, you know? Like, just real corny shit. But this right here saved the segment because that was sick what Darby, Darby Allen did. Um, nonetheless... Uh, MJF, of course, would retreat. Uh, you gotta, you gotta buy full gear, y'all. <laughs> That's why you sell a pay per view, right? You can't let him, you know, take the coffin drop just yet. So, hey, man, Dar uh, full gear, Darby Allen versus MJF. I, uh, you know what? MJF is gonna go over. I'm pretty sure because he's not gonna have two pay per view losses back to back, right? He already lost that all out against Jericho in a high stakes match. Well, high stakes for Jericho, but it made the match all the more. Uh, bigger i guess and in atmosphere and he lost so uh i don't see him losing again in another big pay-per-view like full gear well all of aew's pay-per-views are big because there was only four of them <laughs> so that's my prediction there and i'm excited for that andrade el idolo defeats cody rhodes by way of shenanigans as ftr aka la superranas Nail Cody with the AAA tag straps out from under the ring as Andrade wins the match. FTR, uh, Tully Blanchard hit the ring. And while with Andrade, they jump Cody Rhodes, armed Anderson. <laughs> they get in the ring and walk up on Tully Blanchard. They have an intense face-off. Former horsemen, stablemates, lots of history right here. I'm sure... Uh, the wrestling nerds out there, the wrestling historians uh, really um, got their draws wet over this. <laughs> but uh, it looks like Arn Anderson is going to get jumped until out comes the Lucha Bros for the save as FTR, Tolly, and Andrade retreat. It's kind of surprising not to see Malachi Black in the mix. Um, you know, I guess they kind of don't want to overexpose him. There's still some uncertainty going on with this uh angle with cody because you best believe their storyline implications man cody didn't beat malachi black for no reason there is a reason there is a story to be told here and i think cody is still on that verge ready to ready to turn heel man ready to be a baddie and i think that he's gonna turn on arn anderson and it's gonna it's gonna be because of malachi black in some form or fashion Perhaps, like, they, they could be campy with it and, like, have a supernatural aspect to it. Um, kind of like how I did in my <laughs> my fantasy booker uh, segment, which is, uh, yeah, it's like, let's just say I'm permanent hiatus, okay? 
I'm not doing that shit again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, listen, man. I know AEW. They they haven't been too too big on the campy stuff, on the supernatural stuff. I think they kind of sort of did with Dark Order in the beginning. Matt Hardy, they had Broken Matt teleporting and shit. So they have done supernatural stuff before. Let's not act like they don't. So I could see it. I could see Malachi Black like possessing Cody Rhodes. And that could be how he turns heel. And he like backstabs Arn Anderson, nails him with, with the... Uh, I don't know if Arn Anderson could take the crossroads, but <laughs> that'd be a hell of a visual. Uh, but you know, Cody could nail Arn Anderson with the steel chair and align with with uh uh malachi black or just be you know a lone wolf bad guy i don't know either way um there you have it miro defeats orange cassidy in the aew title eliminator he will now go on to face brian danielson at full gear to determine a number one contender to the aew title which which will be contested that night by kenny omega who defends against Hangman Adam Birch. Yeah, I gotta say it really dramatic, sorry. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm a nerd, bro. I'm like I'm geeking over this, okay? Sue me. <laughs> and and I'm I'm geek I'm geeking more so for Miro, man, to get his dues in this match. This was the right call. And I couldn't think of a better replacement for Moxley, uh, whether he was on the rankings or not. Um, cause Miro, I've been said it, I've been said it for weeks now that Miro is better than the TNT title. Although I, I will say he kind of lost it a little prematurely, but with that said, he's on the right track because I could totally see Miro becoming AEW champion. I wouldn't mind seeing Miro beat Brian Danielson. I'm going to tell you right now, if Brian Danielson were to lose to Miro at full gear, it would not hurt Brian at all. You know, again, guys like CM Punk and Brian Danielson, these guys right here are AEW's biggest attractions. And there is no one who can beat them, who can lower their stock or make their stock fall. Uh, what I'm saying is Brian Danielson could get beat by Nyla Rose, okay? And that would not drop his stock at all. Not an inch, okay? Because that's how beloved these guys are. That's that's their status. These guys are made men, okay? If this was a mafia movie, these are the wise guys right here. These are the, these are the capos, okay? Um, there's, there's, there's no better outcome for me to see Miro beat brian danielson at full gear i'm just gonna say it that's my pick and that's who i'm rooting for um because listen if if brian danielson wins the match it, he's he's gonna face adam page they're both baby faces i don't want to see brian danielson and adam page in a match so soon it would make a lot more sense that adam page's first feud is against miro because at that point, if Miro loses a match trying to capture the title, it's not going to hurt his stock because he already beat Brian Danielson, which is just as big, as, if not bigger, as winning the freaking title. Bigger than winning the title. So that's my take on that. And I'm very happy for God's favorite champion, the Redeemer, Miro. Overall, it was a very good show. It seemed to have some pacing issues. Certain things felt kind of rushed. 
kind of like the way I'm rushing this podcast right now <laughs> because I'm about to run out of run out of recording time. Um, I'm gonna have to start a whole new uh, segment. So <clears throat> certain things felt rushed. A lot of stuff they 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 cram a lot of shit into these shows, man. You know, and I would say I could have done without the opening match between Omega and Allen Angels, but damn it, I love seeing Kenny Omega in that ring. No matter against who at this point. Because he's just that damn good. No Triple H. <laughs> no Triple H. <laughs> Brian Danielson and AEW announcer Justin Roberts recreate the infamous tie choke strangulation uh, following AEW Dynamite. After Dynamite went off the air, Brian Danielson playfully choked Justin Roberts with his own tie. I know that's like an oxymoron, right? Or what? It's like it playfully chokes. Uh, yeah, um, this was a callback to the infamous tie choke segment several years ago on the June 7, 2010 episode of WWE Monday Night Raw, uh, where the Nexus. Uh, stable did a big run in destroying John Cena in the ringside area. Brian Danielson was part of the Nexus at that time, um, and as part of the segment, he choked Justin Roberts with his own tie, which inexplicably led to him being fired from the company. Well, not inexplicably, if I remember correctly, uh, he was he was fired basically because the advertisers for the show got super pissed off. Uh, to see a guy getting choked on national TV and they're sponsoring that shit, you know, kind of similar to uh, when when Domino's Pizza <laughs> got super pissed off with AEW because uh, Nick Gage was like slicing Jericho's forehead with a pizza cutter, and then literally in picture in picture they show a Domino's commercial <laughs> with a pizza being sliced <laughs> with pizza cutters. What a what a world, man. <laughs> what timing Good, goodness gracious that that really this is a simulation bro i don't care what anybody says this whole world is a simulation somebody programmed that for the lulls it's way too perfect anyway so yeah brian danielson was fired from wwe after that incident of course he would be brought back just two months later but needless to say fans at that time were absolutely baffled like you fired a guy for doing what he was told, following the, his script, and he gets fired for it. You know, that's what happens when, you know, wrestling becomes corporate and you got to answer to sponsors and you got to answer to all these big wig executives and whatnot. And so it was funny to see AEW Dynamite go off the air and Brian Danielson and Justin Roberts getting in the ring and recreating that. That's That came out of nowhere. I never thought I'd see that. Uh I wonder if, if the fans got it. I hope they did because I'm pretty sure there was probably some people who didn't see the original uh, Nexus thing and all that stuff. So they're probably like confused as all hell. <laughs> but it's one of those things. If you know, you know. And it was a nice, uh, a nice little touch. Kyle O'Reilly's contract with WWE NXT reported is reportedly set to expire in December next month. According to Mike Johnson of PW Insider, um, Kyle O'Reilly's contract with NXT is expiring next month. An exact date, however, was not given. So, of course, let the speculation run amok with his former Undisputed Era stablemates Adam Cole and Bobby Fish, part of the AEW brand. The expectation becomes yet another WWE 
Uh, NXT guy is all elite bound. It's inevitable, right? <laughs> hey, listen, man, I like Bobby Fish as a singles guy. I really do. But I know I'm I'm in the big time minority because I'm pretty sure if you have any kind of interest in Bobby Fish, um, you know, you're you're hoping Kyle O'Reilly gets picked up by AEW so they could reunite as a tag team. Um, not only the Undisputed Era, uh, but Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are known as Red Dragon. That they're, they're a tandem. They were a thing. I didn't follow them, so I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, I I don't particularly care for this. I mean, especially given the holy shit breaking news from earlier of all those 18 uh, wonderful talents getting cut on the chopping block by WWE. I would imagine that there is some bigger fish to fry other than Kyle O'Reilly. Sorry, not sorry. That's my opinion. In an update to the devastating Ring of Honor foreclosure, you want to talk about devastating <laughs> those 18 releases and now this. Um, Sinclair Broadcast uh, reports millions in debt. Uh, $12 million in debt to be more specific. The report states that the company has a debt total of $12.530 million with $8.124 million of that debt coming from Diamond Sports Group LLC, which is the over-the-top streaming service that the group is trying to launch. So this, this to me is even more baffling. Like, why in the world would you guys sell the ROH tape library if you're in the process of launching a streaming service? Like, how do how do you not see that that is, like, counterproductive as fuck? I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I get it that, you know... I mean, pro wrestling isn't really a sport, technically. I get it. It's a show. It's a performance. It's not a real sport, but... I mean, certainly, especially when it comes to Ring of Honor, there's definitely sporting elements to the show. I mean, why in the world would you be getting rid of this amazing library of like over a decade's worth of material that you could use for your streaming service? Instead, you're selling it. And and I mean, the bulk of their debt comes from the launching or the pending launch of this streaming service. So this makes the whole story all the more unbelievable, really. Uh, the more I think about it, it's baffling. And I, 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 I want to know what they're selling the tape library for. I want to know the price tag they put on that because, again, as I said in the last episode, there's reports that they're asking for, and let's just say a very pretty penny. <laughs> you know what I'm saying for that tape library. Almost as if they don't really want to sell it, but they're seeing if a big-time billionaire like uh, somebody named Tony Khan or Vincent K. McMahon will fork out that cash for them and kind of bail them out of this shit. But um, yeah, man, that's bananas. That really is, that whole story. Anthony Agogo is reportedly back in the United States, ready to return to AEW, according to QT Marshall, or QT Marshall. Anthony Agogo has returned from the UK where he's been MIA due to what is his 10th eye surgery now. Yikes. All he's waiting on is the call from AEW. Fans haven't seen Anthony Agogo in the ring since the June 4th episode of AEW Dynamite. 
where he teamed with aforementioned QT Marshall to defeat Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson. Agogo underwent... Oh, so... <laughs> wait a minute. Let me cut myself off. So y'all want to say Cody Rhodes don't put nobody over? Well, there you have it. <laughs> Anthony Agogo. Yeah, I know Cody beat Anthony first. But Anthony Agogo's last match was beating Cody Rhodes. Granted, it wasn't a tag match, but hey... A, a wise man by the name of Vin Diesel once said, It doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. <laughs> Winning's winning, okay? So, yeah, man. Um, Ogogo underwent his 10th eye surgery in the summer after Billy Gunn smashed his face into the barricade. Anthony Ogogo, man. You know, I don't know much about this guy. I know he was like a boxer in the UK and has like a prestigious uh, winner in some like amateur boxing tournament or something. Guy, Kind of like the UK's version of the Golden Gloves, I would imagine, or something like that. I don't know. So I'm down to see Anthony Ogogo back, man. I know that, you know, he's got the potential to do something and I feel like... I feel like he could do something, but it, it's kind of hard when AEW has all of the talent that they have. And inevitably, they're going to get more pretty soon, uh, I would imagine. So, yeah, it's going to be hard for this guy to not get lost in the shuffle. But he is, believe it or not, somebody that I actually dig. Like, you know, because of his boxing acumen. Uh, I, you know, that's another thing to me I'd like to see in, in wrestling is a guy who can actually throw hands like a real boxer who can bring that style to the ring and, and, you know, do something cool with it. But only time will tell. Impact Wrestling Heavyweight Champ Moose claims the Impact title is just a prop. At Bound for Glory, Moose captured the Impact World title by cashing in his Call Your Shot Gauntlet Battle Royal Trophy. Okay, uh, to defeat Josh Alexander, who had just won the Impact World title from Christian Cage in the main event. Speaking with Daily DDT, Moose would say, quote unquote, I'm kind of different about it. He said, it feels good for a company to put the championship on you and be like, hey, you're our guy. At the end of the day, it is just a prop. It is it is just a prop because one thing I have noticed with this with this prop is that it makes you busier. When I didn't have the championship, I didn't have to do all these interviews and I didn't have to do pre-tapes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying being Impact World Champion. Obviously, you don't become a wrestler without one day wanting to be world champion. At the end of the day, I can't take it to heart and be like, I'm the world champion. I'm the best in the world. This is Quinn talking, not Moose. Because obviously, Moose feels different. At the end of the day, I'm still going to work hard and work as hard as I've been working. It doesn't mean I'm going to look at wrestling different because I know as Quinn that this title is just a prop and for storytelling and it doesn't make me any better or any less than before I had it. I still have to put the work in and do exactly what I've been doing before I got it. It's just another day in the office. I get that from Bill Belichick. It doesn't matter how many games you win or go to the playoffs. You have to look at it just as another day in the office. That's one thing I took from Bill. Winning the title is just another day in the office. I'm still going to do the same things I've been doing and nothing is going to change. 
I mean, yeah, the the impact the impact title is a prop because Tessa Blanchard won it. <laughs> you feel me? You can't take a title seriously that was won by Tessa Blanchard. Not a not your men's world heavyweight title. Come on, man. <laughs> Nah, nah. I, I, hey, man. I know Moose is one of those cats that has been grinding hard in this business. Um, so I'm proud of him. I'm glad he, he's, you know, the champ. He should probably. I think he was working, you know, even with this interview. It, it was very, like, an off the cuff, and and he said it was Quinn talking, not Moose. But even with that, I kind of feel like he was working. Um, but you know, a lot of people have that mentality too, that championships are just props at the end of the day, because wrestling is not a legitimate sport, but we love to watch it because it's entertaining as fuck. <laughs> what can I say? John Moxley. Here we go, guys. This is the final story I'm going to talk about today. Um, John Moxley enters inpatient alcohol treatment program. Tony Khan is, is the chief, the head honcho who made the announcement via Twitter saying, quote unquote, John Moxley has allowed me to share with you that he is entering an inpatient alcohol treatment program. John is a beloved member of the AEW family. We all stand with him and Renee and all of his family and friends as he shifts his focus to recovery. John is making a very brave choice to get help and we're embracing his choice and supporting him however we can. He continued in a few more tweets saying, I'm proud to call John a friend and like many of you, I'm also a fan of Mox and look forward to a time in the future when he is eventually ready to return to the ring. Until then, thank you for supporting John and respecting his privacy at this time. If you or a loved one need help, Please reach out to SAMHSA's National Helpline 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. This is a heavy story, man. <clears throat> John Moxley's wife, Renee, would release a statement as well saying, quote-unquote, uh, thanks for this outpouring of support. John is every bit of the badass we all know him to be. I couldn't be more proud of him for getting the proper help he needs and being given the space to put his health first. Couldn't possibly love this man more. Yeah, man, you know, alcoholism ain't no joke, man. I mean, really, alcoholism, if you think about it, is just another drug, you know, for some people. And, and and it's funny because what I'm about to say, like, confuses people. Like, what? Are you? Pfft, no, that can't be true. But I'm going to tell you right now, for some people, alcohol is like crack to some people. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, listen, fast food is a drug. I'm going to tell you right now. Like, you know, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because some people, they they really take it lightly. You know, like, oh, well, it's just beer, you know, because beer is legal. It's legal, like a pack of cigarettes and whatever. So it, it can't be that bad as like crack or heroin <laughs> or anything else and PCP. But it really is. I mean, alcohol kills more people than any of those drugs that I mentioned. <laughs> Believe it or not. You, and you could look up the stats for yourself and it might just surprise you. 
you know, alcoholism is no joke. So anybody listening to this, if you need help, I urge you to contact that helpline that Tony Khan shared in that tweet. 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Guys, and I am talking to you, kings, most specifically the males, the fellas, guys. Stop with that toxic masculinity stuff, man. Like, you're not macho. You're not Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. You're a human being. If you need help, don't be afraid to ask for help. It's okay to cry once in a while. And it's damn sure okay to ask somebody for help. Because God knows we all need it once in a while. You know, life, it's, life doesn't come with an instruction manual, brother. You know what I'm saying? Life doesn't come with... With instructions, it doesn't come with tips, with helpful... It's not like a video game, right? Like you're playing an RPG. <laughs> let's, let's make this serious speech a little more lighthearted now. It's not like a video game, like an RPG where, you know, your character gets all these helpful tips from all these side characters, right? And before you go on a quest and, oh, you go here to find the key and blah, blah, blah. Like life doesn't work that way, right? You're just kind of born and thrown into, you know, you got to hop into the moving, hop on the moving train, right? And uh, yeah, man, I just really want to get that out there. You know, guys like John Moxley, that's a real man right there. That's a real OG because he had the balls and the wherewithal to put his macho bullshit aside and say, you know what? I need help. I need help. Like, I'm a strong man, but right now it's very hard and I need help. So he's going to get the help he needs, man. You know, in that inpatient alcohol treatment program, um, rehab. And, um, you know, you, you think about guys like Jake the Snake Roberts, who also had similar issues uh, with, with drugs and alcohol. Guys like Scott Hall. You know what I'm saying? I really hope DDP does some work with John Moxley, you know? Uh, DDP seems to be like the... DDP is the miracle worker here, man. He could help anybody out. If I had the money, I'd give his ass a call my damn self. <laughs> help me with my bills, though. <laughs> can, can, oh, man. <clears throat> nah, but... Uh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm very proud of John Moxley. This is the right step for a man to take. You know, always ask for help when you need it. And like I alluded to earlier, um, just to kind of get back into wrestling. I mean, uh, you know, wrestling, uh, wrestling aside, you know, the whole story here is about Moxley getting the help he needs. But just I just want to say one thing. Whenever Moxley does return, I already touched on this. He's not going to get booed, guys. You know, he's going to come back as a major baby face. He's going to get that CM Punk in the United Center type of pop whenever he makes his return. I expect John Moxley to be out like a good... I don't know, man. He could be. It ain't no telling how long this stuff takes. It depends. I mean, John Moxley could be out for three, four, six months, eight months. He could be out for a whole year. Ain't no telling. And I get it. I mean, think about it. John Moxley just had a baby, yo. He just had a baby with Renee. Um, and and incidentally, Renee's personal Instagram account got hacked like a few days ago. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying this has anything to do with it, but I'm just the point is you can imagine the stress, right? Because life is stressful altogether. Then you bring a baby into the mix. That's a whole nother level of stress. That's why I ain't got no kids yet. Um, so he needs he needs help and he's going to get that help. And, and I'm just happy once again that he was man enough 
to reach out to reach out and get the help that he needs. So that's how I'm going to end this this episode of the Highlight Reel. I want to thank you very much for listening, guys. I appreciate your support and um we're doing it. I'm going to try to give that Rampage review Saturday, no promises as you know. Um don't forget to wash your hands. Don't forget to wash your ass and tip your waitresses. I'm out. <laughs>